Hello, my name is Mike Bankhead. I am a bass player and songwriter from the Jam City, Dayton, Ohio. On today's episode, I talked to Rachel Rosen. Rachel Rosen is from these parts of the woods, but has since meandered her way through San Diego and now lives in Puget Sound. Not so much the wet part, but the dry part. Yeah. This conversation goes into a lot of strange places, but I think it's interesting. Let's see what you think. Hello, Rachel Rosen. Hello, Mike Bankhead. Where are you talking to me from right now? Oak Harbor, Washington. Not like the nation's capital, but like a state the on the state West of Coast. Washington, yes. Oak Harbor is on some kind of tiny island, right? Yeah, it's called Whidbey Island. How do you spell that? Uh, W-H-I-D-B-E-Y. Whidbey. Mm -hmm. And considering that you were from Ohio, what brings you to live on Whidbey Island? Let's start there. Well, I've always wanted to leave Ohio. I do Aww. like it. I just, I, I want to say I do like Ohio, but I've always wanted to at least try another place. And I've been thinking about the Pacific Northwest for a long time. And I was looking for a job and I was looking in the Seattle area. We're like two hours away from Seattle, so we're not super close, but it just looks beautiful and there's a job opportunity, so I decided to take it. This brings me to the logical question. What is it that you do for your profession? I am a journalist, and I work for a newspaper. They still have those? <laughs> they do. Wow. So what kind of education do you have that it, uh, qualifies you to be a journalist for a newspaper? Well, I have my degrees in political science, but... About a year and a half ago, I decided that I wanted to go into journalism, and I didn't really have any experience up until that point, but I went back to school, took some classes, wrote for a college newspaper, I did an internship in San Diego, and then I got a job. Congratulations. What's the name Thank of your you. newspaper? It's called the Whidbey News Times. Hyphenated News Dash Times? Yes. It's a thing that newspapers do. Yep. And I'm assuming that they have different journalists that talk about different things. What is your uh, beat? Is that the word the kids use? Beat? That is the word, but we're such a small newspaper. and There's really only two other reporters. So I kind of, I cover the town that we live in, um, Oak Harbor, and the northern end of the island, and uh, I cover things like the school board and the city council, but I don't have a super specific beat. So talk me through what your day looks like as a journalist. How do you go about journalism, journalism, journalisting, <laughs> journal writing things? You write things because it's a newspaper, not a TV show. Yes. Um, I mean, I interview people. I talk to people. I 
go out and do things and take photos and I research things and it's mostly talking to people. How do you decide who to talk to and what to talk to them about? I mean, it depends on the story. Sometimes, you know, people will come to us with a story and they're usually the person to talk to, but you know, it just depends. Where exactly are you from here in the Great Buckeye State? I'm from Dayton. Born and raised? Yeah. Did you go to Wright State? I did. To quote um, the lovely and talented Izzy Rock Martin, what did your childhood smell like? What did it smell like? Yeah. Wow. I guess it probably smelled like the inside of a two-bedroom apartment. That's, that's variable, though. I mean, I can't really describe what it smelled like, you know, but, like, I can smell it. Let's switch topics, because I also know that you happen to be a musician. Are you still a musician? Can we still call you a musician? I mean, what would qualify me not being a musician? You telling me that I don't play music anymore and I'm a recovering musician? <laughs> no, I, I still play. What was your first instrument and how did you learn? Um, it was actually the violin, I think. Um, we had to, when I was in elementary school, we were taught the violin and I, I never really liked it, which I, I regret now, but I kind of think even then, like I just wanted to play guitar. So I didn't care about the violin, but now I wish I knew how to play. Can you still read sheet music? It's been a long time, but maybe if I thought, thought about it really hard, I could. So you mentioned guitar. When did you start learning how to play that? Um, I started taking lessons when I was nine, I think. And yeah, that's probably because I did. I read music for that. So that's probably when I would would have like really remembered how to do that. What made you choose guitar? My older brother played and was taking lessons. So I wanted to do everything he did. And my dad was a musician. So it was just something I wanted to do from a young age. How long before you started writing your own songs? I think I started writing lyrics pretty early on but i think i didn't like start writing my own music until probably high school i want to say do you still write i do all right so let's imagine that it's writing day you're gonna make some art what's the first tool you reach for when it's time to write it definitely starts with lyrics for me um lyrics first yeah i i mean it sounds cliche to be like i'm always writing but like you're a journalist you really should be always <laughs> writing but yeah like i you know like have a notes thing for you know an app the notes app is what i'm trying to say i have a thing for lyrics and i just add to it all the time and so that's 
kind of, yeah, that's what I start with. What happens next? I pick up the guitar and I start you know, trying chords and chord shapes and and whatever. And then I usually try singing over it and a melody usually comes out. And if I like it, I'll go with it. How soon until I get a Rachel Rosen record? I don't know. I don't know. I've never recorded anything, and I don't know. Now I feel I just feel intimidated by it now. So, all right. Now we have to go. We have to dive into the why here. Why do you feel intimidated by the idea of recording? I've tried it, and I'm not that great at it. Neither am I, and I keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, I I need to get more comfortable with it, for sure. You're less comfortable recording than you are standing in front of a room full of strangers and bearing your soul to them through your lyrics? I guess so. Wow. I think, I think it's just because I, I've, I've played live more than I've recorded, so I'm just used to it. You know, if someone stuck a microphone in your face and hit the record button while you were playing live, that would be recording. Well, maybe someone should do that then. Somebody should do that. Have you played since you've been out on the West Coast? I haven't played out, but... I've Just like around, in. like in the room you're in now, you might have played a couple times. Yeah. Have you thought about playing out so that, you know, you can not let that skill set rust? Yeah, actually, I was on Facebook today and there is an open mic happening tomorrow at a local bar. So I'm thinking about it. Uh, you know that I strongly encourage you to go do that. You should play the song about your dog. The dead one. It's it, That wasn't my dog. Oh, somebody's dog. Here's the thing. I don't like dogs at all and I thought that song was awesome and I found it somewhat moving. So... <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'll probably play it if I play. You have a story to tell me about being lost in the forest here in our beloved Ohio. And I've been waiting a long time to hear this story. And this is your chance to tell me. You've You're been waiting have... to hear oh, this? Oh, yeah. I've been waiting to hear it. So <laughs> it would be really cool if you would make it long and drawn out and possibly add some sound effects. <laughs> Because, see, the problem is I think I've spent more time talking on this conversation than you. And this is about you, Rachel. So is the rest of the podcast just going to be this story? I mean, I would, I would be cool with that if you can manage to take up the rest of the podcast with this story. Let's see how you do. I don't know if it's that long, but... Well, can, can I ask, like, what you know about the story first? All I know is you got lost, and when I asked for details, you said, let's save that for when I'm on your podcast. Oh, okay. I forgot about that. Okay, this is why we're doing this. I mean, this is not the only reason why. I feel like we're friends, and you're interesting, and people should know that you're interesting. Okay. If you felt like you saying more, people are going to be like, she doesn't talk very much. How do you know she's interesting? You'll just have to trust me, dear listeners. <laughs> okay. Um, what are you drinking? Is that wine? 
No, this is uh, brandy, which also comes from grapes. Uh, specifically, it is a uh, brandy from the town of Cognac in France, and this is a brand of Cognac called Hennessy. I'm drinking water. Well, it's a lot later in the evening here in Ohio than it is in the West Coast. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, so... Brandon and I, you know Brandon, of course. I know Brandon. The people <laughs> listening to this might not know Brandon. Do we wish to explain who Brandon is? Um, he's my boyfriend. And he was a guest on the podcast earlier. He was. So we went hiking with a friend of his in southern Ohio a few months ago. It was like winter time, last winter. And it was like, you know, it was just a hike on the Ohio River or nearby. And it wasn't super challenging or anything. We just, you know, went on it. We didn't think anything of it. Um, but the trail was quite hard to see in some, some parts. And uh, basically, we accidentally went off the trail. And we didn't realize it for a while because it looked like we were still on the trail but then it was like well we're not still on the trail all right so this i'm going to pause and ask for some clarification yeah i am by no means a hiking expert but generally the trails are the part where there's like not vegetation while you're walking and it's generally wide and well trod and when you're not on the trail you're basically in somewhat wild deciduous forest in our state so i'm going to understand that you left the well-trod clearly marked path that people take and ventured into the deciduous forest without realizing it am i correct yes but it wasn't that obvious because it was an accident so it basically looked like and I remember the moment it happened where we went off the trail and it looked like it was the trail just going into another direction, like it was forking. But it wasn't. And I can't explain that. You know? I just know that we <laughs> went off the trail and then realized it too, it's probably too late. And it was uh, maybe an hour from the sun setting, and it was winter time, so it was pretty cold, and it was getting colder. And I was like, we have to get out of here. It's going to be bad. So we did what you're not supposed to do, which is like basically keep going forward <laughs> in kind of the same direction. We were supposed to like backtrack, right? but we're idiots so we didn't do that and we we're like well if we just keep going in this direction we'll be able to make it out and you know brandon was running around like a crazy person because that's how he is <laughs> and i i don't know if it was because i was the only woman there but i was like i think we need to call 911 just to be safe. Just it's to be really safe. cliche that the woman is the person that wants to ask for directions, but continue. I know. 
but I was like, soon it's going to be dark and we're not going to be able to see. And I just want someone to at least know that we're out here. So I called 911, I think for the first time in my life, pretty sure. And explain the situation and for some reason it seemed really hard to explain and they were like we don't know where you are like we don't know where that is and I ended up having to add the the 911 call operator on snapchat so I could share my location with her so she could tell the cops where we were the short way to say that is dispatcher Dispatcher. I know that because my mom did that for a living for 30 plus years. Wow. So, so she has, she dealt with people like me, I guess. Um, I'm going to ask her, but I'm thinking she probably did not deal with anyone like you. No, no dummy lost in the woods. I'm just trying to imagine my mom logging on to someone's Snapchat. And I don't think that that is a thing that she would be able to do really. Right, right. Yeah, so then they sent the police and, you know, they were like, do you hear the sirens? And we were like, yes. And they, you know, sent some guy into the woods after us and he would yell and then we would yell back. So, you know, we knew where the other one was. <laughs> and... um and I mean, it took a while or it felt like it took a while. And at this point, it was like almost completely dark when the cop finally was like found us and <laughs> let us out to to safety. And, you know, back in the parking lot where our car was, like all these people were there. The locals, I guess, were like these city slickers got lost in the woods and some other cop was like, you guys could have frozen to death out there, you know? And I was like, yeah, I know, but thanks for helping. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's what happened. And oh, the next day, I forgot about this, but the next day was my birthday, actually. And <laughs> the next morning, uh, we found two ticks on Brandon that had uh, gone in there while he was, you know, running around in the woods trying to find a way out. And uh, yeah, so that's how I spent the morning of my 25th birthday was pulling a tick out of Brandon's back. That sounds exotic and lovely. <laughs> I have so many questions. One, you call the police, nobody got shot. That's hard to believe. I know. We, but it, it was just three white people in the woods. So I that's, guess that's, that's why nobody got shot. Do you not have any devices on your phone that tell you what direction north is? I feel like there's GPS today. Is that not a thing that you kids have now? Yes. I actually, like, pulled up Google Maps and I could see where we were and, like, where the entrance was. But since there was no trail, and there was also a barbed wire fence because it was someone's property was like adjacent to the trail. And basically we just couldn't figure out how, even with the Google maps, how to get out. Like I said, dummy in the woods. 
when you said it was cold, how cold are we talking? Well, before the sun started going down, it, it wasn't very cold. Maybe low 50s, high 40s. This was in November? December. Were you all wearing like bikinis and like uh, Speedos and such? No. <laughs> I feel like you wouldn't have frozen to death in Ohio, December. After the sun goes down, though, it gets a lot colder. Sure, but the three of you could have huddled together for warmth. You totally would have survived the night. Maybe, but I'm just glad we don't have to do that. Oh, me too. I feel like you hear about hikers dying all the time, but never in Ohio. <laughs> Usually it's because they're like on a mountain and they fell into a crevasse or they fell off a cliff. Or they were eaten by a bear. We have no bears in the Buckeye State. You were pretty safe. But it's a fantastic story. Is it? Was it, was it super interesting? It was, because I don't go out in the woods because the woods are dangerous. And I think the moral of the story is stay indoors where it's safe, where there are no ticks, and there are no mysteriously forking trails that lead you into oblivion. Yeah, that's true. But I have gone on hikes since then, so it didn't scar me. Here or there, or both? Um, actually, not in Ohio, I don't think, but, I mean, in California we did, but obviously it's very I sunny mean, there. You were in San Diego, you were not going to freeze to death there. In fact, if you decide exactly. to be home, if you're ever homeless, that's probably where you should move to. This is Mike in post-production. Just wanted to clarify that there's a lot here that was edited out, and then we came to a topic that I thought might be interesting, so there will be an abrupt change of topic here. See, that's, that's where podcasting is different from journalism. So you can't... This part's staying in, so that you need to go into detail here. <laughs> you can't show the person you're interviewing the article before it goes up and they will ask and they do ask, but you cannot do it. And that's like a, is that a written rule or kind of like a, an unwritten rule that's common to the profession? Like, I mean, it's probably written down somewhere, but I think it was something I was um, orally told to not do. Because I feel like I've read some stuff about people who've been interviewed having editorial access over the article that they were interviewed for. And I believe the term conflict of interest comes in there, no? Yeah. It must be tough times to be a journalist. And the newspaper thing aside, the role of the media in modern communications is... Uh, somewhat more confused now than perhaps it ever has been, as many media serve, it would seem, solely as mouthpieces for the government in their respective brand of propaganda, or for insert name of rich person who funds the organization here and their respective form of propaganda. How do you not fall into a pattern of being a mouthpiece for whoever in your, in your work? I mean, I think 
my experience doesn't even really doesn't really apply just because I you know like I'm not breaking Watergate over here like I'm just writing for small papers and I don't personally feel like any any outlet I've written for like has an agenda even though I'm sure you know they kind of do to some degree but like it's not something that I'm aware of I've I've never felt like you know I was being policed and what I could and could not report on so far you said that your stories are generally assigned to you yeah. Do you ever get to choose your own subject? Um, yeah, I, so I've been at this paper for, this is my third week. It's a Tuesday, just for, just for context. It um, is a Tuesday. It is, I'll be specific. This is the Tuesday on which, at the moment, at least 18 elementary school children were shot in Texas. Yeah. Which, in the United States, is a Tuesday. Unfortunately, that's accurate. Um, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I the one story I've pitched so far was about the baby formula shortage because it's affecting people here just like everywhere else. So I did a story on that. Your musical influences, who might right. they be? Um, let's see. I'm trying to figure out what I want to say. I'll talk about an early influence for me was a band called Say Anything. Um, and they're, which I feel kind of embarrassed to say because they like peaked in the early 2000s and it's like an emo band that no one cares about anymore but i still care about i mean most of the bands i like peaked before you were born so i don't see why you should be embarrassed i don't know i guess because like i feel like it's not considered like highbrow music oh see now this is worth experimenting why do you care whether a music that you like is highbrow or not um, I don't know, I guess, because, like, I I want people to think I have good taste. But your taste is what your taste is. If you like band X, who cares if someone else likes them or not? You like them. That makes it valid art, does it not? Yeah. The internet tells me that Say Anything is on hiatus. Have you seen them in concert? Yes, I, I did. Um, I, they were kind of my first actual concert. When I was, uh, I had graduated, I had like just graduated high school. Um, but yeah, so they are on hiatus. Well, it's really just one guy. Max Demas? Max Bemis. Um, he is 
he's been called the Kanye West of emo music. Um, is that because he's kind of not all mentally with it, or is there another reason? Yes. Um, he has bipolar disorder, which is like, if you're a fan of saying anything, you know that. And it's kind of part of the myth of, so their second album is a real boy is their most well-known album probably. And the story was that Max wrote all the music and recorded it when he was on a manic episode. Right. <laughs> um, so in, in recent years, um, he's, I guess kind of like, displayed some unhinged behavior on the internet um and honestly like recently i kind of have been liking him less and less as a person yeah i mean very recently i have i'm just i've been questioning my my loyalty to this man um <laughs> i mean i always knew he was you know a little out there, I guess, but it's almost to the point now where it's like, can I enjoy listening to his music the same way? You know, I don't know. It's, can you? I haven't really tried. <laughs> um, I think yes, because honestly, like in the past, I've been able to separate the art from the artist, as they say, but yeah, it's just he is married and he has a bunch of kids and they kind of post their life all over social media and have been very public about their the personal issues they have. And it's just, it's gotten to the point where I'm like, I don't want to know this much about you, especially because I, I look up to you you just want to rock? Is that what it is? <laughs> uh, sure. But, you know, like, I, I don't want to, I mean, maybe this sounds harsh, but like, it's like, I don't want to see that you're not doing well, that you're not a well-adjusted adult in your life, I guess. There's a couple of interesting places to go with this. I'll start with this one. What drew you to their, to the, to their music, to their art in the first place? Um, I mean, the album that I mentioned is a real boy. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, it's just, it's like pop punk, pop Rocky, that kind of thing. And the songs are, are really good. And Max is, he does this thing where like, there's almost like, there can be two or three different songs within the song because he goes into different melodies and key changes. And yeah, it's, it's a good album. You should listen to it. Um, and, I will. It's on my list now. Okay. And then a few years ago, he came out with kind of what he called the follow-up to Is a Real Boy because he said, you know, Is a Real Boy is a, a concept album of this, character that people thought I was after they listened to music but that's not who I really am and he wrote or he made this 
this other concept album about where the character actually ended up. And it, I mean, it was really dark, but it was also a great album. And what's it called? The sec- the other album is called Oliver Appropriate. 2019, the internet tells me. Yes. So Oliver was like the protagonist from Is a Real Boy, is what we found out. Was any of your affinity for this band based on having a similar cultural background as the songwriter? Yeah. Um, I don't think that's an unreasonable question, which is why I asked it. <laughs> no, it's not. I, of course, there are a lot of Jewish musicians and there are a lot of famous ones, but not a lot of them talk about their Jewishness. Not a lot of them put it in their songs and like allude to it. I mean, some do, sure, but like in that genre i never heard that before and that was really cool and then i don't even know how how deep i should go into this <laughs> but basically he he ended he ended up getting married to a a christian woman which is fine of course and kind of came out and said, you know, I'm Christian now. He did a Bob Dylan, sort of. And there's nothing wrong with that, but as someone who, you know, talks so much about his Jewish identity and it's part of his music, I was surprised, definitely. And he's kind of, like, walked back on that now. But, I mean, it it is interesting, don't you think? So obviously I'm not part of this culture, so I can't understand it uh, the way you do. But one could conceivably be culturally Jewish whilst religiously Christian. Could one not? Or no? Yes, and I I think that's kind of what he is, you know. I don't think he's a practicing Jew. But he did, you know, he said in an interview once, like, I'm a Christian, and it is a bit odd to hear that from a Jewish person, you know? It it doesn't, it shouldn't erase your Jewish identity, because as you said, it, it can be a cultural thing, and it's an ethnic thing and all this, but... I think it uh, it implies something. So as someone who's not in the culture, I can't relate to that on a personal level, of course. All I have is like, I mean, I can observe things. And I have observed that there are Jewish people who, for instance, do not keep kosher and might celebrate Christmas with their significant others. I'm not naming any names here. <laughs> Every Jew on the planet, almost. Oh, I'm pretty sure there are plenty of Jews that keep kosher and don't celebrate Christmas. They just might not live in Ohio. (laughs) Or they might, and we don't get a chance to know this because maybe they're not open about proselytizing their faith, right? Yeah, I will say, 
I can say most Jews don't keep kosher. Just statistically, that is accurate. <laughs> Good to know. I wouldn't know. See, I'm I'm learning on this podcast. All right, so. I actually had a second point, a second question to ask you, but this is fantastic because this part about his, his cultural and religious identity kind of leads into that. And they, by they, I mean people who are in music marketing and try to help us and the musicians do stuff. They tell us, generally speaking, that no one cares about your music until such time as they get to know you. And until then, it's all about how you present your brand, what you look like, your story, and who you are as a person. And even once people like your music, they always tell us by they, I mean, these same nebulous people that give us advice, make sure that who you are as a person comes through because it matters more often, you know, more often it matters more than your music, which I don't think it should, but that's what I hear me, I'm hearing. But from what you've just said, you want to hear less about how this person is as a person and more about the music is that right yeah i mean don't we all like i feel like a lot of people you you can start to dislike famous people once you know more about their personal lives absolutely but it's just weird that any of the advice that you listen to that people give indie musicians is show as much of yourself and your personality and your life as you possibly can, because that is what people want. And here you are saying, I don't want that rock, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if, if it is odd for me to say that, but it's what I'm seeing is a little bit of a train wreck. So isn't there a time-honored tradition of artists being completely messed up though? Yes, but it's hard to watch, especially when they have a family and especially when they post their family all the time and you become invested in their lives. And then you're like, what are you doing? you see them making decisions that maybe aren't the best and it's you know it's like maybe i just need to unfollow you on instagram and not worry about it i think what you're saying is that you've done grown up right <laughs> now that you're grown and you're an adult that is somewhat mature you're looking at a person that should be you know like uh was with you right <laughs> yeah i mean that's true because when I when I started looking up to him, I was a teenager. So yeah, you know, you grow up. Which everyone does. I mean, let me rephrase. Everyone should. Mm -hmm. Definitely not everyone does. So would you say to say anything has been an influence on your art personally, or is it just something that you like to listen to um, to get out those uh, angsty teenage feelings? which we all somewhat, I mean, I still have angsty teenage feelings and I'm 44, so. <laughs> I mean, I would think so. Um, I mean, what I do is very different than what he does, but if I could do, if I could do it, I would, you know what I mean? If, if I was in a band and I could make really loud music, 
I, I feel like I, I would hope that I would make music like him. I feel like there might be musicians in the Pacific Northwest that you could conceivably recruit to be in a loud band with you. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you live with a guitar player and you play guitar. So really all you need is a rhythm section. I guess so. It's the optimist to me trying to push you to make rock and roll. No, I, I know. I appreciate it. I want it to happen. You've done quite a bit of travel, and I know this because uh, when you started dating Brandon, I might have stalked your social media stuff and looked up all your oh. past posts. Okay. Yeah, I apologize for that. <laughs> I didn't comment on any of them, which is really creepy if you comment on a post that's four years old, right? They tell yeah. me that's creepy. Yeah, that's creepy. Okay. I, mean, I don't know. I'm old. I don't know what the modern, I don't know what the etiquette is. So you've, uh, you've done some travel and such. Can you tell me about some of the places you've been? So I, Assume that you're referring to some international trips I've taken. Yep. Um, which before then I hadn't really traveled in the U.S. very much. Like only in the past couple of years have I really, I've, I've crisscrossed the country a couple of times. So I, I've seen a lot more of America. You see but, more of America than I have. And I'm pretty sure about that. Okay, so you prioritize international travel. America is very homogenous culturally, cultural-wise. Um, on the surface, I should say that it's not if you dig deep. That's hard to do if you don't have a lot of time to spend in a, in a specific community. And then go find people that are not colonizers, you know? But, you know, there's an Applebee's on every exit or McDonald's. I mean, you have a Home Depot on your island, Rachel. <laughs> or um, yes. in a Walmart, it's we it's do a, have a Home Depot too. It's a homogenous, it's a homogenous country, which is weird considering how big it is. So I find personally, this is not you know obviously your mileage might vary. I I find international travel more mentally and emotionally stimulating. Uh, that said, I like cities, even domestic, and there are some fantastic natural phenomena here that I'd like to see. I've not been to the Grand Canyon or Yellowstone, for instance, and I know you've done both, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, those are the kind of things that I would like to see domestically. But yeah, I was, I was interested in your international travels. Yeah. Um, so I went to France when I was in college. I did a summer study abroad. How long were you there? Five weeks. Oh, dear me. All right. So France is my favorite place to go and Paris is my favorite city. So, and I have not been there for five weeks at a time. The well, longest I've done has been three weeks. Okay. I mean, I was only in Paris for like five days and then I was in Lyon, Lyon for the rest for four weeks. Right. I've spent exactly one week in Lyon when I was 21 and lived in the suburbs with a family um, and actually got to town one day. So you've seen much more of Lyon than me. And that's one of those places I want to go back to. But yeah, anything you want to tell me about your time in France, I'm like <laughs> rapt attention. It's my place, you know, it's my jam. I mean, okay. it's my confiture. Sorry, French joke. Well, it was, it was my first trip abroad. Um, it was my first time traveling alone, really, even though I wasn't really alone because I was in a study abroad program. But I mean, honestly, it was very overwhelming 
and I had planned to like stay there an extra month after my classes were over and just travel around Europe, obviously, as, as you're supposed to do. And I ended up coming home right after my classes because I, well, I didn't have anyone to travel with. And I thought, you know, I was my dumb 21 year old self was like, well, that's not a problem. I'll just do it on my own. I had, but I never done it before and I was in and you know I, I was on a different continent and it was just too overwhelming basically and I just didn't know what I was doing and I realized that so I ended up going home earlier than I thought and I mean it was definitely you know like an amazing time and I saw so much and I experienced new culture and a new language and I had never done any of that but it was also like hard you know and I feel like I I guess people do talk about that with study abroad like it can be challenging but since I was there for such a short time I was I don't know I just feel like I, the the other kids I was with like they didn't experience that they were just having a great time. I was struggling a little bit. So yeah. But ever since then, I've always wanted to go back and I still want to do a backpacking trip in Europe. You know, I think I just needed some more travel experience first. What was hard about it? You said it was hard. It was hard just because, you know, I was I was in a new place and I couldn't speak the language that well and I don't know I think some of it was probably angst like we talked about those feelings um and I got really sick when I was there but like everybody (laughs) like I I came home I had bronchitis and like a sinus infection in one of my ears. Like it was, you know, I was like pretty sick. So I was kind of sick for the last week or so, but you know, so yeah, I mean, it was challenging, but in a good way. Yeah. I mean, I I really want to go back. Well, I'm, I have a trip coming up actually. Not to Paris, but to Europe. Uh, Alone or a couple trip? No, well, it, my, I'm going with my mom. That's a couple's trip. Where are you going? I can cut this I, out if you don't want me to tell people. I don't care. Huh. But, uh, Ireland. That's barely Europe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm still excited about it. Oh, you should be. A different culture, different food. They speak English. Yeah, and I haven't been out of the country in a long time. So. Me neither. It's been since 2019. You eat anything interesting in Lyon? Lyon is known as the gastronomic capital of the country, you know. I, what did I eat there? Um, oh, gosh. They're famous for something. Like They're famous for many specific. things. Something um, specific. Is it praline, I want to say? Let me Google, what is Lyon famous for other than deliciousness? I think it's, yeah. Leonard, Leonard's praline. Um, ah, well, there you go. 
Yes. I did not. I did not manage to get any of that when I went. Yeah. Well, I. I see. I feel like I didn't eat. I didn't eat like a French person. Like I spent all my money to get there, so I was eating pasta in a dorm room. You know, French people eat pasta. Yeah, but like in a sophisticated way, probably. Mm. Yeah, I didn't have. I'm looking at a website showing me the famous foods of the yawn, and of them, I know I had cannelle because the family I stayed with, despite being from Cameroon, made me cannelle because they were like, "This is a regional specialty; you didn't eat it." Um, homemade, so that's how you want to do it. Have you have you been on a long international trip with your mom before? No, she's she's never been overseas. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> so it's you know it's something that she wants to do before she gets too old. Sorry, my mom's mom. probably like, my age, isn't she? She's older. Really? So she has you late in life then. Yeah. Because I don't like to think about this, but I'm totally old enough to be your dad. It's really <laughs> depressing, actually. It's not depressing. It's just a fact. Depressing anyway. for me. <laughs> um, yeah, so she's she's never been overseas and she is something she wants to do. And she wants to go with me. But it's did, it's, did she pick Ireland? Or did you pick um, Ireland? Well, and we both want wanted to go. Um like, I don't know. I mean, I want to go everywhere, but that's specifically where she wants to go. And I would go anywhere. So I'm like, yes, let's do it. So yeah, it'll, I, it'll be good. It'll be great. It's just, it might be a little bit stressful. You're not going to the part of Ireland that's in the UK. You're going to independent Ireland, right? Yeah. All right. That means you'll need Euro. <laughs> Yes. Uh, I don't really know much about Ireland. Um, they speak English and Gaelic, but you'll be fine. They speak English. That's what I'm saying. Because she, like, she, what we're doing is, um, it's like a, what do you call it? A, a guided thing, like, everything is planned out, basically. Well, kind of like an all-inclusive guided tour. So, like, you're on a bus or whatever, and they take you where you're going. And yes. You, are, you have activities programmed in. Yes. Which... I'm too independent for that nonsense, but I understand that it's those kind of things are very comforting for people that have not had the running around by yourself on a foreign continent experience. Exactly. Like, it's not how I would prefer to go, yeah, but since, like, she's never done this, and she was like, you know, I just don't want to get lost. And I'm like, mom, they speak English. Like, Also, Ireland, fine. much smaller than the United States. Really hard to get lost. <laughs> I mean, like, once you go so far, you've reached the end of the ground because it's an island. Right? Yeah, and so. it's like, it's one of the, like, the safest places to go. And the people are known for being friendly. Yeah. So actually, just... anywhere not the United States is among the safest places to go. Really? I mean, most of these, most other countries don't have their citizenry armed. Yes. Yeah, I know. But well, I've heard it's about Europe, like it's like the safest place you can go. Um, so, yeah, so she has worries, you know, 
Um, yeah. Tell her to call me. I'll talk her out of her worries. <laughs> I've never even been to Ireland, and I can tell you there's nothing to worry about there. I mean, really, when I when I travel, I wish I could, you know, stay a long time, like stay more than ten days. You and me both. In fact, when I travel, this is one of my rules. Um, when I was young, by which I mean twenty one, and when I first started traveling on my own. Uh, I spent three weeks in Paris or in, in France when I was 21 and like a week in Paris and a week in Lyon and then a week running around Provence on my own. And that's just, oh, it's just so exhausting to have to pack up your luggage and get on the train. And so like now when I travel, I want to be in one city as long as I can be there. I don't want to do more than one city a trip. Two is like my max. I just don't have the energy and you don't really learn about the culture or the people if you run around so much and you don't get to build relationships and make friends and when you build relationships and make friends then you can go back and have people to see right? yeah then you can go back and maybe even have a couch to crash on then you can invite someone to come to you in your country yeah it's actually a, a big goal of mine to live abroad probably in europe for an extended period of time, like maybe a year or two. And I don't know when that's going to happen or how, but. Or where? Yeah, I'm not sure where. I would, I would be open to, you know, multiple places. But I mean, France is pretty high on the list. Um, what are your yeah. language skills like? I mean, they're pretty bad now. I mean, they were always kind of bad. <laughs> um, but. I feel like it's something I could kind of get back and I, I'd get better at if I was actually living there. So, so French is what you studied? Yes. Anything else? Um, while I was in France, I, I took an art class, like drawing. Um, and then, yeah, just a couple. And a photography class, actually. Um, I just had a phone, so it doesn't really count. I mean, um, phones are better cameras than the cameras I used to take over there. <laughs> Trust me on that. Yeah, but I didn't have a camera, so like, I didn't, whatever. So yeah, I, I yeah, French and art, basically. Yeah, I think France would be very comfortable for you. It's uh, you know, a good place to speak French and a good place to look at art. It was good talking to you, Mike, really. It's always nice to see you. Um, you're awesome. Like, I honestly, I do think you're interesting and very talented. And Thank you. And, I, don't think it, I don't think it's going to come across in the podcast, but, you know, I tried. I'm, yeah, we'll see. I try to make everyone sound as cool as I think they are, but I don't always succeed. So <laughs> You're like, yeah, you might sound lame. We'll see. All right. Good night. All right. Good night. Bye-bye. Thank you very much to Rachel Rosen for spending well over an hour talking to me. Not all of that ended up in the podcast, but if you really want to hear what I cut out, well, let me know, and I could probably do something about that. Thank you, dear listeners, for being here. On Friday, well, I welcome Brandon Berry back. Why don't you come back and check that one out?